I am Capital Weekly Editor-in-Chief Rich Eisen, joined as always by my partner in crime, Tim Foster. How are you doing this morning, Tim? I'm well. How are you, Rich? I'm doing fabulous. Uh, We're also joined today uh, by another one of our uh, frequent colleagues uh, and contributors, Dan Moraine. How are you doing today, Dan? All good. Well, you know, regular readers know uh, Dan had a great piece with us uh, earlier this week. Uh, in regard to Governor Newsom's latest proposal for dealing with California's ongoing homelessness crisis. And this one uh, reaches back in a way to touch on some things going all the way back to the very well-known Lanterman Petrus Short Act. Uh, There's a lot of talk about that this year in the Capitol and and reforming aspects of that act. Uh, The governor's is just one of those. Uh, but Dan did a very thoughtful piece on this, and so we asked Dan to come on and talk about this a little bit, and he's uh, gracious enough to do that for us today. So, uh, Dan, I want to jump right into it. Um, give us a little reminder of exactly what it is Governor Newsom is proposing with the ballot measure and the reform to uh, Prop 63 from 2004. Um, okay, well, I'll start with, uh, he, he's Governor Newsom is proposing two measures. One is a bond of between three and five billion dollars, so not an insignificant amount of money, that would be used to finance construction of um, housing for um, people who are uh, mentally ill, uh, but don't need to be in a locked facility. So that would mean a jail prison or uh, a locked psych hospital. Um, And these could be um, uh, apartments or cottages in a residential neighborhood for for some people, or it could be um, on larger campuses of maybe a few hundred um, for for people who are um, uh, just making the transition out of a locked facility, uh, people who who have some psychiatric issues, uh, serious psychiatric issues. these would be unlocked facilities. Uh, there would be, uh, in theory, uh, intensive um, supervision and therapy uh, to really help people get from, you know, get get well, get to the point where where they can live a more full life, and you know, are not in, at risk of being um, uh, homeless or or you know, do something uh, that would get them locked up in in jail or prison. The second measure. Uh, would would be a rewrite of uh, Proposition 63 of 2004. Now, this was the initiative that was promoted by uh, Sacramento Mayor uh, Daryl Steinberg then in the state legislature that, that imposed a tax on people whose earnings exceed $1 million. So, you know, $1 million, $1, you, you get taxed an extra 1%. Uh, uh, that it initially brought in under $300 million a year. Now it's around $4 billion. So it's a ton of money. Not all of it is spent well. Uh, Some of it is spent wisely, I'm sure. Um, And I'm sure it has helped many people. Uh, uh, But this would rewrite it in a way that would provide services, direct services to to people who are seriously mentally ill, 
uh, some for housing as well. Um, so this is a you know this would would provide a steady stream of money for for mental health care in a way that that um, I think Prop sixty three of two thousand four promised, but I'm not sure it exactly delivered. Sorry, it sounds like Daryl Steinberg is on board with this too, correct? Daryl Steinberg absolutely is on board with it. What he told me uh, uh, for for this piece that ran on Sunday uh, at Capital Weekly is is that this. Um, is that the state really has to figure out a way to, to to target money directly at these encampments that are all over, certainly Sacramento and Northern California and, and, and Los Angeles, I mean, all over the place. So, so. so Dan, I have a question for you. So what you're describing with the initial, you know, the part one of the plan here, sounds to me like what we were supposed to do in the wake of the Lanterman Petra Short Act, when they closed the major facilities, the plan was at the time that they were going to then take the money they were saving from these not funding these large facilities and they were going to open a bunch of smaller, I think they were calling halfway houses or whatever at that time, smaller facilities in neighborhoods that were not just locking people away in a giant institution. We never did that. We never provided the funding. We never built those houses. It seems like in a way what, what Newsom is describing is something that we were supposed to do 40, 50 years ago and just never did. Is that accurate? Well, yeah, it actually goes back before before the Land Petrus Short Act. I mean, so so Governor Reagan signed that bill in his first year in office, 1967. This was a bill that that um, uh, started in the assembly by this assemblyman from Southern California, La Cunada, Flint Ridge, um, uh, Frank Lanneman. And he, he was a Republican and his... Um, uh, main ally in this effort was Nicholas Petrus, who was a state senator then um, uh, from from Oakland, Berkeley, uh, very liberal. So there was a there was a Republican and a, and, a, and a Democrat who were working on this bill that that um, ultimately became the Lantham and Petrus Short Act. And there's a whole story in that that um, maybe we could tell on on a different day. Nonetheless, it it. it it, it lands on Governor Reagan's desk. He was not involved in this. This was not his priority. Um, his administration obviously was aware that this was happening. They were trying to shape the bill in the legislate in the legislatures that was going through. Um, but uh, but it wasn't his priority. He was talking about unrest on college campuses. He was you know talking about um, crime. He was talking about cutting government cutting taxes and all that other all the other stuff that Governor Reagan was 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 campaigning on had nothing to do with closing state hospitals um, or or emptying them. Nonetheless, he got a commitment from the legislature that this was not going to cost the state or the counties any additional money. And with that assurance, he signed the bill. Uh, and that then led to um, uh, 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 an acceleration of the emptying of state hospitals. So Pat Brown, who Reagan knocked off, defeated in 1966, had actually started emptying state hospitals. He, he reduced the, the population by about 11,000, by about a, from 37,000 down to 26,000 when Reagan took office. Reagan signed this bill and it really led to uh, a further reduction in uh, state hospital population down to a few thousand when he took when he left office in 
at the beginning of 75. Um, and we've never really changed it. Now, the theory was, and this is long-winded, sorry, guys, you'll have to edit it. Um, but the theory was that, that yeah, there would be money spent by counties to, to um, help these uh, people who otherwise would be in state hospitals. Well, there was no obligation for the counties to spend the money uh, to help them. There was no obligation on the part of, of patients to seek therapy. So they didn't get it. Who, who would, if given a choice, um, uh, if, you're the, if you're a county supervisor, spend money on, on helping um, you know, mentally ill people who don't vote, primarily, generally, uh, or building a new swimming pool, right? I mean, it's just, it's just kind of gen, you know, politics 101. Um, uh, and if you're, if you're ill and maybe don't think you're all that ill and you don't want therapy, why would you go to therapy? So anyway, so we have this crisis that really began in the 1970s. Um, but it's a building crisis and it doesn't, um, uh, it doesn't really manifest itself fully for, you know, a few decades. And today we see, you know, well, certainly in the nineties when, when, uh, it became apparent that jails and prisons were filled with people with mental illness. And, uh, and today when <laughs> jails and prisons are filled with people with mental illness, but also, uh, so many people homeless on, in, in encampments many of whom are mentally ill, um, you know, we see the crisis. And so this, you know, I think this for forces Governor Newsom's hand and forces politicians' hands. I mean, I think Newsom was there uh, to begin with. You know, I met him 20 years ago and he was talking about this as an issue. Um, so that he doesn't come to this uh, today. He's, he's, he's been there for a long time, whether you like Newsom or not, this has been an issue that, that he has been talking about and working on since he was a supervisor in San Francisco. And Dan, um, now it, the legislature is going to have to approve the bond. We have a sense at all of uh, the reception that this got from lawmakers. And, you know, I know it's very early in the process, but it, do we have a sense at all of how lawmakers um, might act on this? Sure. I mean, in this instance, I think past this prologue. So it, just look to last year, the governor proposed care court, which is a whole whole new court system to deal with people who are uh, severely mentally ill and chronically homeless who refuse care. Well, this is a court system that will Im impose a requirement that, that, that people actually get care. Um, and uh, impose a requirement that that government, local government, actually help these people uh, get care. Um, uh, you know, I, that got two no votes in the legislature. So this is this is a bill. This is an issue that is cross cutting. Republicans and and Democrats alike believe homelessness is a huge problem, um, and. Also, you know, I, I think that 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 people have um, uh, humanity and understand that that you know people who are ill do things that are that may not seem rational may may not be rational, but it's not as if they have a lot of control over it. And so I think that that yeah, I, I'll just be shocked if if um, if these bills don't get through. Um, uh, on a bipartisan basis. I, I know Susan Eggman, uh, state senator from Stockton, um, has taken up this issue as, as, as very important to her. Um, 
and uh, and I, I think she's going to be deeply involved in this uh, effort to to put these two ballot measures put these two measures on the ballot in, in 2024. Um, yeah, let me let me follow uh, up on that because there are several bills. Uh, you mentioned Susan Eggman, uh, Roger Nilo. There's others. Uh, of course, this is an issue here at Cap Weekly. We've covered a lot. Uh, but there's a lot of effort now, and I think there's a lot of will to reform Lannerman Petra Short. Where does what the governor is proposing fit in with all of those? Is there conflict in area, any area that we can see, or are these a dovetail? Yeah, no, th this would be, uh, this would, uh, th these two measures um, uh, can pass or, or uh, and, and have no effect whatsoever on the Lannerman Petra Short Act. Um, uh, now, Susan Eggman is carrying a bill that that would alter the standard by which uh, individuals can be held um, who are uh, severely mentally ill and don't want care. It would it would alter the it would alter the standard, make it somewhat easier uh, to hold them, with the understanding that they you know still get due process. They still would appear before a judge. Uh, they you know they would be able to 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 appeal their um, hospitalization. Um, uh, so, so, you know, we're not going back to pre-1967. I mean, the, 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 you know, we're, we're not going back to a time when, um, you know, Napa State Hospital or, well, Camarillo State Hospital at one point housed more than 7,000 uh, patients. Um, uh, you know, Camarillo is now Channel Islands, uh, California State University Channel Islands. So, we're, you know, we are not reopening the old state hospitals. We're not going to fill them up with, with people who are committed um, uh, via care court or any other thing, uh, any other way. Um, uh, you know, so but but there can be changes. I mean, the law, the science has evolved. You know, drugs have evolved that 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 can um, uh, help people with with um, various psychoses. You know, we know more about it today than we did in 1967, but the law doesn't change. So, I, I want to touch on one other thing here too, and I think I know Tim does too. Um, this is personal to you as well as a as a human being, not just as a reporter, because you have a very deep familial connection to all of what has happened with the state mental health system, and it's not just people who have organic. Uh, mental health issues or drug-induced mental health issues. Some, it's other things like such as the case with your brother, correct? Yeah, yeah. So my brother, Frank, he died in 2000, but he had a car accident when he was um, 22 in 1969. Um, and, and, you know, it's a very common injury among young men in particular who drive too fast. And, and in his instance, he drove off uh, the road and San Mateo coming home from work one night uh, and and uh, banged his head very hard against the uh, the front of his head and so so to save his life the neurosurgeons um, uh, performed surgery that that was um, what they called a partial lobectomy so he was brain damaged for his entire adult life from 22 on um, he could he could talk he could walk it was he he had a, a certain quality of life but he couldn't live on the outside um, uh, uh, he couldn't live uh, any kind of a normal life 
Um, and so after a few years of struggle and trying, uh, my parents finally did get him placed in a state hospital. And he was in four different state hospitals. He was at Agnews, which is closed. He was at Stockton, which is closed. He was at Camarillo, which is closed. And finally, he was at Napa, uh, which is now more prison-like than hospital. Uh, but then it wasn't. Um, uh, and, um, and he actually, for a few years, got uh, um, pretty incredible care um, uh, under George Dugmasian. Um, uh, the state decided to create a award for people with, with brain injuries such as his. Um, and so he was on a ward with, with about two dozen other uh, men and two women. Um, uh, and these were people who had had car crashes or got shot in the head and survived or survived uh, motorcycle crashes. Uh, this was pre-helmet <laughs> uh, times. Uh, and um, uh, anyway, so so these were all people who had similar injuries to, to his, and they were given very intensive therapy. Um, some amazing therapists worked on that unit, um, and uh, and he was getting better. He, you know, maybe if if um, you know, as I as I wrote in that piece, you know, maybe if if there were these sorts of uh, uh, facilities that Governor Newsom and his Health and Human Services Secretary Mark Galley envisioned, you know, sort of housing with intensive supervision. Um, you know, he could have lived. He could have lived a more free life. He didn't, because there was nothing like that. Um, so he ended up, um, you know, living out his days and uh, at Napa, and then ultimately at a locked nursing home, which was perfectly fine over in Oakland. Um, uh, and then died, uh, like I say, in 2000. I was his conservator under Lanham and Petra Short. I mean, he was not mentally ill. He was brain damaged, but he was covered by the same law that that covers people with. Uh, uh, severe mental illness, and and so I was his conservator as, as uh, uh, under the provisions of the Landman Petrick Short Act. So, well, I guess the, the the bottom line here is, you know, we're at the beginning of a process here. It sounds like something you're optimistic has a good chance in the legislature. Uh, sounds like again, there's a lot of things happening in the legislature on this front this year. Um, you know, maybe we are looking at uh, the year when we finally do have a really significant step forward in, in dealing with this kind of uh, the limitations that LPS has put on dealing with the mentally ill, the mes mentally disadvantaged, and the resulting homelessness that seems to come out of it. So that seems to be the takeaway here is that it's just another of several steps that we're taking, uh, at least trying to take this year. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I think that that's true. Um, I think, I think uh, uh, the politics are demanding it. Um, uh, the, the public opinion is is um, uh, seems pretty solid from from polls that I've seen that 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 people you know expect this to be fixed. <laughs> you know, expect something to happen. Now, you know, the reality is. Um, We've been promised as a public this before. Prop 63 of 2004 really did promise to deal with homelessness and and incarceration of, of people with mental illness. Um, you know, there were ballot measures in 2018 to provide 
uh, bond measures for uh, housing for for homeless vets, vets. Um, uh, and um, you know, so so the public has been promised this more than once <laughs> since since the 1970s. Um, maybe uh, you know, but it, it really is going to take <clears throat> take um, uh, insistence from from the governor that that we do this. Um, I mean, you, Rich and Tim, have been around a long time. Um, eventually, you're going to find a governor who has uh, sort of put this issue uh, front and center the way Newsom has done. Um, I mean, I've you know been paying attention to governors since Duke Mason was governor. Um, Newsom really is um, the first. So one thing I think that's interesting is you know your story, your about your brother. Is I'm sure has has driven some of your interest in this area. Senator Eggman also had a family member with mental health that and had gone through a system, and I do feel like there are people with personal connections to this, driving some of this policy. I know Sigrid, our um, our reporter, writes about these sorts of issues a lot. She's she knows a lot of the people who are working on these issues, and many of them are people with family members, and, and so many of us know people that have either lived on the streets or they've had mental illness or uh, addiction problems or accidents, et cetera. So I feel like this is not something that's happening to everyone else. It's happening to every, basically everyone we know. And I feel like that's maybe helping drive some, some motivation to solve this issue. Well, that's true. And, and, you know, Governor Newsom um, uh, was a young boy when his, uh, when his maternal grandfather uh, shot himself. Um, uh, you know, depression. Uh, so, you know, so, so Newsom has, has um, confronted this as well. I mean, it, and because it's, because it's an issue that I wrote about when I was at the LA Times and Sacramento B, I, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to legislators who um, were interested in the issue. And Don Parada was president pro tem of the Senate. He had his uh, sister, um, you know, when I, uh, Bob Hertzberg, and recently termed out Senator Her Hertzberg um, uh, has the people, the, uh, Tom Umberg, who carried, the, uh, who was instrumental in the care court legislation has, has somebody, it's just, it, you know, everybody knows somebody either in their family or, or close circle of friends who, who's mentally ill, which, it, which is one of the reasons why I find it so, it's such an interesting Political issue. Um, I mean, it's a it, it's a uh, human interest issue. It's a it, you know it's a it's a it's a story about humanity. But but from a political point of view, because so many people have family members, you would think that 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 government would have figured out a way to to deal with this issue. Uh, but it is still uh, an issue that's in the shadows. It's an issue that where there's huge stigma. And so, you know, people don't generally talk about it. It's not dinner table conversation. Uh, and, and the reality is there just aren't a lot of votes and taking up mental health care as an issue. Uh, certainly aren't a lot of campaign contributions and taking mental health care up as an issue. So, you know, if you if you have a choice between, um, you know, opening a new swimming pool, like I say, or 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 caring for some person who's, um, uh, you know, at the very bottom rung of 
of society, well, you know, you're gonna you're gonna open the swimming pool. Politics 101, I guess. I, I think the point you made very eloquently in closing your story was that you know, yes, these things cost money, but it's costing not just money; it's costing all of us uh, much more to not be able to address this. I mean, everybody's upset about homelessness. Everybody wants to see something changed. We've, I mean, it had a huge impact on the LA mayoral race. We, you know, we, Newsom, as you noted, has taken it on as a cause, uh, the top of his agenda as governor. Uh, first one really, it's, I agree with you, the first one in my lifetime to, to do that as well, to really make it his number one cause, and, or at least one of them, you know, at the top, top two or three. And I think we can all agree, it, it is a problem that needs to be solved. And uh, pretending that it's not there is not solving anything. And so, um, you know, my, my wife has a saying when she talks about solving problems, she always says, just add money, right? <laughs> uh, it's a little similar here, but also just that political will too. So it does, uh, uh, as you noted, since the cost is so high, maybe this is what will drive the political will. Well, Dan, thank you so much for, for talking about this today. It's a, you know, it's a, it really is a never ending issue. And if we're lucky, maybe it will end in the next few years with Newsom and the legislature's attention on it and this willingness to finally do something other than kick the can down the road. But, you know, I've lived in Sacramento since 1973 and homeless people on the streets has been an issue since, since I've been here. Uh, it's worse now than I've ever seen, but I mean, it was always there. Yeah. Yes, it is. And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody's going to be able to fix this. There's not, you know, there's there there's no um, pill that you can take or 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 shot that you can take that that cures this issue. And you know, a big part of it is is um, drugs. Meth is a big driver of this um, as well. So um, you know, it's it's it, it is a very complex issue. But you know, we have to start somewhere. All right. Well, Dan Marie, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, so I guess we will let you get on with the rest of your day. And then unless you care to join us for our who had the worst week segment, I know I know you're the one who actually likes this segment, Dan. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love this segment, but I haven't thought about who had the West, worst week. I mean, the worst week, worst week, worst week. Oh, oh, Tim, oh, Tim's got an option. So I, <laughs> you know, um, right now, this is a, a pretty crazy story that emerged this week. Uh, the city of Torrance is going to be paying $750,000 to a man who was arrested on suspicion of mail theft. Ultimately, he was let go. It was decided that he had not been. But while he was under arrest, the cops who arrested him, or I believe it was the cops who arrested him, vandalized his car including spraying swastikas spray painting swastikas in his car the police did this the police did this yeah and it's taken some years to go through this whole process but they just kind of sort settled this and they are going to settle to the tune of seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. two officers are no longer employed as police officers but that's a pretty bad week not only do you not want that story but you yeah. also seven hundred fifty thousand bucks is a chunk of change uh I, I kind of had to read this story twice because I, I couldn't believe that this actually happened the way it was described. But indeed, it basically what I just told you, what happened is sort of uh, astonishing in this yeah. day. Well, you know, that, that I, I would I would vote for that one. That's, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> pretty bad. 
it's not an uncommon problem too. This is actually, I mean, this one is very, very specific, but you know, the, the issue of what it costs local communities every year in the, across the country, it's certainly across California uh, to pay uh, for police misconduct. It, the last figure I saw was in the billions. I mean, it's really absurd how much it costs us to deal with police misconduct, uh, which is not, I'm not wrapping on all the police. Please don't send me papal emails and letters, but I'm just saying that you can look it up. <laughs> There's a lot, of, a lot of dollars get exchanged over police doing really dumb things like that one. That's, that's well, just profoundly dumb. And I would think you most... Uh, you know, purely spitballing here, but I would think that most of the instances of payouts are someone sort of in the heat of the moment doing something, you know, overly aggressively beating someone up or something like that, which while not right, at least makes some sense. This is totally befuddled me. I'm like, what are, you know, you've arrested this guy for mail theft. The car was in police hands. What did they think happened? to? What, What did they think was going to have happened to it? That it got vandalized while the police had it. Anyway, the whole story was uh, bizarre uh, on, an, on a level I haven't seen right. in a while. for me. Anyway, were, were they? Was their story going to be that he did it himself before the they got the car or something? I mean, how do you explain that one away? I mean, clearly these guys aren't brainiacs to begin with, right? They're clearly clearly they're not Mensa members, but um, they they really illustrated it. Uh, about as uh, clearly as could be done in this particular case. But yeah, I, I'd say that's the winner, Tim. Yeah, so anyway. Or the loser, I'm not sure which. The, 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 the best of the worst. I'd say the winner is Mr. Kylie Swain, who got uh, picked up for mail, you know, mail theft, didn't do it, and then ultimately gets a $750,000 payout. So he's going to have a vacation in the Caribbean or maybe Hawaii, something like that. You know, he's- A new car. <laughs> Yeah, and a new car. He can afford a Tesla. I can't afford a Tesla, but he probably can. So he can afford a lot of things now. Exactly. So, well, Dan, well, thank you so much, and uh, thanks a lot for sharing that uh, the personal story too. I know that's you bet. You know, All so. right, absolutely. Um, well, Tim. So, on behalf of uh, myself and uh, Cap Weekly, uh, I'm Rich Eisen, editor of Cap Weekly, Tim Foster, our executive director, and uh, Dan Moraine, one of our great colleagues, frequent contributors. Thanks for coming on today, Dan. Really appreciate it. And, uh, we'll see you all next time. Very good. Talk to you soon, guys. The Capital Weekly Podcast is produced by Tim Foster for Open California. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you'll go onto iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a positive review. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week. The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations.